welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. I'm back after a month off if you don't watch, if you don't count my What I Watched in January episode last week, but I'm back. My new job is keeping me pretty busy, so we'll have to see what happens with my release schedule. I've been thinking of switching to bi-weekly, but who knows we'll see anyways i'm super excited to share this chat with you that i had with the writer and director of the new very controversial horror movie called skinamarink his name is kyle edward ball you've definitely heard of him maybe you've seen skinamarink already he was super cool to talk to and hear what inspired skinamarink and what the filming process was like as well as what movie he watched as well as what very young age he watched the shining at where the name Skinamarink came from, and why he thinks the horror genre is a beautiful umbrella for so many different movies. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet or Spotify, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. I think I've rolled enough, so let's get into this episode with Kyle Edward Ball. Hey, Kyle, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone who's not familiar with you a little bit about yourself, where you're from, et cetera, and what you do? Yeah, for sure. My name is Kyle Eberball. I'm a movie direct, well, like, I guess recently promoted to movie director. <laughs> I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. I live in Edmonton, Alberta. I directed a movie called Skinner Inc., the brief synopsis is it's a Hansel and Gretel-esque story about a little boy and a little girl. One night they wake up to find that all the doors and windows in their house have disappeared and their dad is missing. So they just sort of chill for a bit, watch cartoons in the living room, get some blankets, get all cozy. And after a while, it becomes evident that they aren't alone in the house. So... Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? That's a tough one. (laughs) So I would say probably The Birds, but it's it's hard to pick between that and The Shining, to be honest. So I'd probably say The Birds with The Shining rising and then a close like third and fourth would be Kwaidong the Japanese Technicolor horror movie, and then as far as comfort, The Blair Witch Project. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. How did you first fall in love with the horror genre? When I was a little kid, the Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark were my first taste into it. And then I, at a very young age, started getting into more mature horror. So between the ages of six and eight, I saw movies like The Shining, bunch of alfred hitchcock movies and and just sort of took off from from there very cool eight is very young to have watched the shining did it scare yeah you a lot uh, yeah it did but, but my parents were fairly liberal with what they let us watch as a kid like really the only things we couldn't watch were my mom had a weird red line with we weren't allowed to watch the jerry springer show (laughs) but we were allowed to watch maury so figure that one out and (laughs) and looking 
back like that was a good decision not letting us watch Springer and outside of that like we, we were basically allowed to watch most things and horror they base I think they had done the conclusion that oh horror they know it's fake obviously it's just you know fun right it just can't be fun so I'm, I'm sure they're fine to watch it so yeah awesome so why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Um, well, I think a, a lot of people who aren't perfectly sane like the horror genre. But horror, I, I really don't know what draws us towards it because I know a lot of people in my life who who don't particularly like horror and I, I don't really see them as being that different than than me. I think it's really down to the roller coaster effect or at least when you're first veering into horror from a young age. So a controlled scare, a safe scare, right? Although roller coasters scare me way more than horror movies. It's just fun and and exciting and gives you things that other mediums don't. And I think outside of that, within horror, there is so much depth and, and things to, to seek. There's everything from high art to camp to feminist cinema queer cinema to comedy so horror is such a beautiful umbrella that so much exists within so it's it, like yeah i definitely agree that's great mm-hmm. um, so what scares you today in horror movies or in real life in horror movies the last horror movie i saw that like really got well that's a tough one I had only seen Lake Mungo about two years ago. It couldn't have even been two years ago. And that just thoroughly creeped me out just because there's just parts in that. So that movie did what I would call the going to bed, looking over your shoulder test. So (laughs) if a horror movie has a particular image or concept that scares you so much that when you go to bed, you like look into the corner of the room, I would say lake mungo did that yeah it's a great one i love that movie a lot i always yeah and then in real life for what really scares me right now i'm afraid that when i do my follow-up feature people aren't gonna like it or i won't be able to pull out the same creativity or spark that i did for skinnamarink for the follow-up and as far as what like other stuff in the world today the Ukraine war is very scary and upsetting. Yeah. But yeah, when it first, when it first happened, like started this past February, I was, I was really scared because I've seen obviously wars happen before, but this one scared me a lot just because of the nuclear stuff. And on, on top of obviously it's upsetting seeing people suffer in a war, but I had, Unfortunately, I think as we all had become used to that with like particularly seeing the Syrian war, but yeah, the whole nuclear thing really scared me. Like, you know, that British movie Threads? I haven't seen it, no. Yeah, so it's this simply realistic docudrama that people have upgraded to horror and it's an incredibly authentic, realistic portrayal of the leading up to an aftermath of a nuclear war from a British perspective. And it's, it's dealt with incredibly realistically. So it's set like just, yeah. And 
I've only seen clips because I'm too afraid to watch it. Oh, okay. yeah. Definitely Google it after this. Like you'll find lots of articles like the scary, one of the scariest movies ever made. And it's, it's, they're being loosey goosey with the term, like I think more disturbing. And it's often touted as a movie that a lot of people haven't even seen or heard of. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely look that up after. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of want to watch it, even though I'm sure it's not fun but like a big thing with it just from other clips i've seen is it's so authentic like the way people talk is the way people real really talk it's not Mm. glossy hollywood at all yeah so yeah interesting well people are saying that skinner inc is one of the scariest movies they've ever seen so congrats yeah and that's like a huge huge honor right yeah (laughs) yeah so what's your favorite subgenre in horror Oh, that's a tough one because I, I go to different subgenres depending on the point in my life. Like this past, I, you know, there was a renaissance in the 60s and 70s of like British anthology horror movies like like that were all kind of made by the same studio. I was watching a bunch of those and then I exhausted those. And then before that, I was getting really big into Italian horror. Mm-hmm. And right now... I don't, I haven't had time to watch a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've been dipping my toes back into found footage. Have you seen Deadstream? I did. I watched that last year. It's, oh, it's so funny, right? <gasps> it was funny. It's not my kind of thing because I'm not a fan of the Evil Dead. So it was just oh, a little really? too, it was just a little too schlocky for me. So I loved like, and I'm not a, I'm kind of the, I'm not a big like horror comedy person, but I find it works best when they commit to the horror or the comedy because without trying to be too much of either or. And that's why I like Deadstream so much was I just thought it was so stupid, funny, right? Like just (laughs) I thought it portrayed a YouTuber personality so authentically, which is like an an annoying person, (laughs) right? And like. And there's just so many stupidly funny lines, like the part where, and like he, it was, it was just smart too. Like you do feel bad for him, even though like he's just so annoying, right? Like, <laughs> which is kind of, in a nutshell, why people watch YouTubers. And he has like, I swear, I haven't laughed this hard in a movie in forever. Which towards the end, he's like on the stream, he's like, I want to apologize to all the, and then he pauses. He's like minorities and then that just i thought was so funny because it's like okay is he saying that because he's like oh who 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 have i offended in my life b am i gonna get in trouble if i say the wrong thing or c like does he actually mean that (laughs) like or like d did he was he gonna say something else and then he's like let's just say minority yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, it's yeah. just so fun because he's so dumb too, which is why it's so funny to watch. Like, but like harmless, right? I loved it. Yeah. Well, speaking of YouTubers in horror movies, did you watch Dashcam? I haven't seen Dashcam. Like, I really, and I'm a, kind of afraid to see that too because it's been so controversial, right? Yeah. But because, like, so my understanding is the point. Like the movie structurally is quite good, but a lot of people don't like 
that the character is so intentionally abrasive and like like far right wing right yeah. so like i've heard that so i'll give it a chance at like at, at some point right but like i don't really know anything about the filmmaker but like that's that's definitely a risk to make your character like unlike like so vividly unlikable right so yeah. i will see it eventually though yeah, it was definitely a choice to make her or, you know, to cast her because I hear that she's like she was in the movie in real life. So, yeah, like, yeah, I looked into that, too, and I saw like she's playing a version of herself, but I don't know yeah. how much of the like she's like an anti-masker and stuff in it. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know if that's a portion that is from reality, but I don't know. Do you have any favorite horror directors? Yeah. So like. Like all the greats, John Carpenter, Hitchcock, and you can like, you know, I would say Kubrick, even though he didn't do, he only did one and a half horror movies. Like I would say Kubrick. Yeah. And, and the Bavas. So Mario Bava and his son, Lamberto Bava. I call them the Super Mario Bavas. And then... hmm, yeah yeah th- those those would be the ones and and as far as modern day there's so many right like i I do like Ari Oster and Robert Eggers and Jordan Peele obviously and, yeah yeah I love I love Ari Aster I'm really excited for his next movie even though yeah, he says it's not a, a he says it's not a horror movie but it looks pretty horrific but like oh. it could still be great right like we oh, should yeah. we shouldn't feel entitled that the director should keep doing the same thing over and over again right so oh yeah of course not no yeah (laughs) well i just know that he doesn't he doesn't ever say his movies are horror movies like hereditary wasn't a horror movie in his mind it was a family Uh, drama so take that with a grain of salt yeah (laughs) so like you said before you're the writer and director of a new movie that was in theaters this weekend and it's coming to shutter later this year called skinamarink I saw it in I think I, I think I can say the date now, too. I think oh. it's February 2nd. Oh, okay. That's so soon. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So I got to see it in theaters in a packed theater on mm. Friday night, which was super fun. It was just a bunch of people who were, like, tensely waiting to see what was going to happen and, like, holding our breaths. So it was really yeah. cool. So first, where did you come up with the idea for Skinamarink? Yeah. So there's – it's hard to – So I have like a placeholder answer, which is I did a YouTube channel where people would comment nightmares and I would recreate them. And I noticed the most common nightmare that people would comment is I'm in a dream they remember from childhood where it's I'm in my house. My parents are either dead or missing and there's a monster. And that just kept fomenting. But I've answered, I, the more I say that, the more I think like, there's so many things that go into the synthesis of an idea and a concept. And there was lots of things that I was probably unconsciously pulling from that, like in reality, I don't a hundred percent know what actually compelled me to make this. And there's even time. Cause like there's all these other ideas that even I did like before I did the YouTube channel that I could see led to skinnamarink so i'm not a hundred percent sure at the end of the day and like another thing 
there's scenes in the movie that like when I was writing them, I don't know what compelled me to write that, right? Like the whole look under the bed scene, like, but there, mm -hmm. I just started typing away at that one. And like, there's other stuff in the script that was so constructed and pre-planned and stuff. And the scene writ large, like I did go into the script saying, I want to have my, my room 237 scene. And, but yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to tell. When the kid hears the voice to look under the bed, I was like, no, don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. And I don't, I think I didn't pick up on it at first that all the doors and windows had disappeared. So I was like, why don't they just go run away? And my friend was like, yeah. they can't, they're locked. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. that's a surprise. <laughs> it was a surprisingly hard thing to sell because like in the rough cut, I just, in the rough cut, originally, I didn't have that time jump thing where you see a blank wall mm. and then you yeah. get a rah, 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 and there's a window again and then it disappears. Like that was after showing it to a few people and them not clicking in. So in the rough cut, it was originally just I had a establishing-ish shot in the beginning of the movie where we saw the window and then later on it was the exact same framing but the window was gone and people did still didn't click in at that point so i had to that was after a few editing and iterations to really sell that that point right yeah it can be difficult to sell something when you have like when so much of the movie is left up open for interpretation and you have so little yeah. dialogue and you want to do a movie where people don't say what's happening. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I should have just read the, the blurb of the movie first and that would have told me. So that was on me. That oh, that's well, but, <laughs> but you shouldn't have to do that as a viewer. You should be able to go in fresh and, and just experience it, right? Like you shouldn't have to do homework before you see a movie, right? So yeah. I think next time maybe I should make things a, a, like a tiny bit more concrete, right? <laughs> yeah. It was shot in your home, right? Yeah, my my childhood home. So I don't live there anymore, but that was the house that I grew up in and my parents still live at. I think I moved out when I was 23-ish, early 20s. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I spent a lot of time in, in that house. That's cool. Are the two kids in it? Are they your kids or? No, no. The, the, uh, son, so Lucas Paul, who plays Kevin, he's actually the real life son of the man who plays the dad, Ross Paul. Oh, okay. Who, and then Kaylee is my friend's daughter. Oh, cool. What uh, was played it? by Dolly Rose Tetralt. Yeah, they were both really good. How did you explain what you wanted them to do when you brought them into the house and said what was going to be going on? Yeah, so I tried to not talk down to them, but also still explain things in kid-friendly terms. So I just gave them a brief kind of kid-friendly synopsis of the movie. So, okay, you two are brother and sister. You're in a house. There's a monster. Your dad's missing. The monster makes all the doors and windows disappear. And, and that's the movie, right? And then a lot of the camera stuff was just simple directions, like walk to the end of the hallway and walk back, walk into the living room and sit down. And then 
for the EDR, I kind of just gave them line readings and said, okay, so here's your line. I want you to say it like this. And they would just say it back to me. And then I would give them direction within that. Like, could you say that quieter? Could you say that? And then I found I didn't have to direct them as far as emotion because they just sort of intuited it. It was, it was weird. Yeah. That's cool. Did you make, have they seen the final cut yet? Yeah. Well, okay. So the girl has, she actually saw it at the Edmonton premiere in the theater and the boy, I think he saw a little bit of the beginning, but then his his mother and older brother were there. And when I got to the theater for the Q&A while the movie was still screening, I saw them in the not lobby area, but kind of outside the theater area at a table playing video games and stuff. So I don't think he's he's seen the entire picture because... I think he's seven now and like doing things like setting through a 100 minute movie can be difficult for him like his dad told me okay i would like him to see the movie and the dad had saw the movie beforehand and made the parental decision that okay maybe this isn't the most age appropriate but he's in the movie i think we can let it slide in this context but i said okay like I directed this kid and he had difficulty sitting still for five second spurts. I don't know if he, <laughs> like you could try, but have a backup plan. And they had a backup plan, which was sit in the lobby and play games on your iPad with mom. But yeah, at one point I was <laughs> like artistic differences with this kid. Like I was like, can you sit still for like 10 seconds for me? And he's just like, no. <laughs> at least he was honest yeah and like i swear to god he was like in my mind it was like he might as well have said like dude i'm i'm six years old no fucking way you want me to sit still <laughs> like no <laughs> so oh. so i i found ways to like there's a few parts where there's one shot where he's literally not sitting still it's just a still image <laughs> like, oh okay <laughs> yeah so interesting yeah i think you may have touched upon this before but is skinnamarink inspired by submitted nightmares from bite-sized nightmares that yeah, stuck yeah with yeah. you or are they yeah, based yeah. on your own dreams it's it's a little bit of both right yeah yeah that's cool what movies would you say inspired you when you were writing and then directing skinnamarink yeah so lots of stuff so 2001 a space odyssey the Soviet movie Solyaris, Black Christmas, The Exorcist, The Shining, The Birds, tons of 70s horror, like just as far as look and feeling, like movies like Just Let's Scare Jessica to Death. And then someone actually messaged me the other day and they said, did Pink Floyd the Wall inspire you at all? Like the movie Pink Floyd the Wall? I was like, well, now that you say it, yeah, I think it did. Right. Like I haven't responded to them yet, but it, it did because I saw that movie when I was 14, completely blind. Like I hadn't, I'd never heard a Pink Floyd song before that outside of another brick in the wall on radio. And that movie floored me. Like I had dreams about that movie and stuff. Right. And there's, 
I there I think there might be visual allusions to that movie, particularly the animated parts in in Skinnering. So yeah. Awesome. Um, how why did you end up calling it Skinnering? Because when I yeah. I always thought of that song from when I was a kid. Yeah, the kids' song. Yeah. So the short of it is, I saw it in a movie that was from the 50s. I researched the song, discovered it was a turn of the century song. And at that point realized the title would be up for grabs because the song is not, it's a traditional song. It's not copyrighted. And I thought that would be a great working title and it stuck. Interesting. So now that Skinnerbrink, I think it's not in theaters anymore. I think it was just for this weekend, right? No, we're going to extend a few okay. theaters. So some theaters, it will just be this weekend and it's done. But other ones, we're having a meeting on Wednesday to discuss a handful of theaters that will continue their playing. So awesome. I don't know if we're going to actually expand the amount of screens, but it'll definitely keep going for a little bit. And then as far as foreign we have gotten word from a few European distributors about playing it in foreign languages. So I, I think oh, cool. the first country we're going to be playing foreign language is Poland coming up. I don't oh, know wow. how many screens it'll. Yeah, right. I don't know how many <laughs> screens it'll play on. We'll see about that. And yeah. Wow. Why? Why Poland first? They reached out to us, right? So it's actually the. Uh, Polish distributor of the movie Mandy, which was like what sold me instantly. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I just forwarded them <laughs> to my distributor, Bayview Entertainment. If you want to ask about foreign sales, anyone contact Bayview Entertainment. But yeah, they I just forwarded them to them and it was just done, right? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. So would you say that Skinamarink is just as effective to for people to watch on their laptops with like headphones if they can't get to a theater? Yeah, I would say it's it's definitely rewarded by both a theatrical experience and an at-home experience. And I think that's the beauty of horror, right? Like you can, because it's it's a medium that could thrive on being watched alone in the dark, sometimes watching it at home is just as effective as seeing it on a giant screen. Yeah. How has this debut weekend been been for you? It's been incredible. Like the Edmonton premiere was amazing. Like we had a casting crew Q&A after the screening and the energy of the room was just electric because it was so many people that knew the casting crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't seen the kids in person since we shot. So that was interesting. And just seeing them again all in one place at once. A lot of friends and family of my assistant director, Joshua, who, for those who don't know, the assistant director passed away after after the movie wrapped. Some of his friends were in the audience and actually came up to me afterward, which was which was very nice. But yeah, and then we had a crazy after party <laughs> and I got got ripped. So that was fun. <laughs> I brought a bunch of posters that IFC was nice enough to send to me. So we signed a bunch of posters for people and I gave members of the cast and crew their copy of the poster. So that was fun. Yeah. 
Oh, cool. How long was the shooting schedule for the movie overall? It was only seven days, eight days if you count the camera test. Yeah, because a lot of it is just like just the film, this TV turning on and off and and stuff. And yeah. Oh, interesting. So it was the same amount of time as the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. So they only shot for seven days. They shot for eight days. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. there's my friend Matt wrote a book called Eight Days in the Woods. That's all about oh. the film. It's all about the creation of it, how it took them years and years to to come up with it and try to get yeah. people behind it. Yeah, it's really interesting. That was kind of the the thing about Skidamarine, because we spent so much time planning it, writing it, everything up to it, and then seven days and then like four or five months editing it right like it was so much on either end which most movies there is a like a significant amount on either end but it seemed like this one it was like tons right so i remember first seeing the trailer when you dropped it and it was i was like what is this yeah (laughs) so you mentioned your next feature film Mm -hmm. is it going to be a direct sequel to skinamarink or is it different No, it's not going to be a sequel, but it will be horror and it will be lo-fi. I'm not settled on what it is going to be outside of that because it's still cooking. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had wanted to have already started writing it at this point, but because the release of the movie got bumped up, I just haven't had time. So hopefully I can start writing something soon, though. So that's awesome. I hope everyone checks out Skinamarink. But there's an article that came out in 2020 that had said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? Uh, I don't know, but I did notice that echoed in my life because me and my boyfriend took the first, well, we took the lockdowns in general fairly well. He didn't take it as well as I did because he's more antsy and likes to get out, but he did pretty good with that in mind because we just watched a ton of horror during it, right? Yeah. But I don't know. I think it could be as simple. I know we always want to think what's the deep psychological reason for that. And I think it may just come down to that the media that we like, which is horror, lends itself so well to the cozy atmosphere of being locked in, right? So, Hmm. yeah. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? I'm afraid of watching that that one threads and there's this horror-ish movie that also premiered at Fantasia that's going to be I think it may already have been released on Screenbox called All Jacked Up and Full of Worms and it's like yeah it's like a it's so I'm afraid to even watch the trailer because one thing I don't do good at is grossness, not gore gross, like gore, throw it at me, but gross gross, like anything like gross out as far as eating weird things and stuff. I can't deal with that. And the whole movie is people like I I think eating worm. Just talking about it. They had a picture (laughs) in the Fantasia program and just the picture grossed me out. And it's really not that. And I'm like, I really want to see it because it looks good. But like, I feel like it's going to enforce a diet on me just from (laughs) watching it. Right. Like I. So, yeah, threads and that movie and Spaceballs for the same reason, because there's a pizza the jab of the hut character that looks so disgusting 
<laughs> that I don't deal with gross out well. Horror have have a million people get decapitated. That's fine, yeah. but like gross out stuff can't deal with it. So are the Saw movies not for you? I could do the Saw movies easy because there's okay. not a lot of gross out. It's just a lot of gore. Okay. And also the Saw movies are 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 kind of a nice cartoonish level, like torture <laughs> stuff can can be trying for me and there have definitely been some saw death traps that i was like i i did i had difficulty with but yeah i'll watch a good saw movie nice i've never seen any of the sequels so i might watch them this year they're 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 they they are what they are right which is like very (laughs) creative torture porn and who like you know yeah yeah is your boyfriend a horror fan oh yeah that was our big that's that's basically why we're a couple like i think our third date was the babadook in theaters nice yeah and it's interesting too i saw i didn't know that ifc midnight was the american distributor for babadook which is my distributor right so Mm -hmm. yeah very cool Uh, so before your movies premiere had you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters like with a fun audience or anything or yeah, like I just this past when it came out, Mother, I saw it twice in the theater because I liked oh, it so much. Yeah. Oh, and goodness. I remember <laughs> on the second viewing, people angrily stormed out during a particular scene towards the end. And it kind of reinvigorated my feelings of, you know, people talk about it's hard to shock people nowadays. And I don't. I, th- I think you can still shock people fairly if you, if you just try, if you just put the work in. And other things, like I saw, this isn't so much like, oh, it was so scary. Like, I did find it scary, but I, me and my mom went to see The Sixth Sense when I was little. And, and I really vividly remember that because it was very sentimental. It was also about a mom and her son, oh. her weird son. And, you know, <laughs> and then as far as other things, theatrical a lot most horror movies i've seen at home right like it's hard to think of like there was the babadook which was a good one there's mother six cents but most horror movies i've seen at home and i think a lot of horror fans we have right so yeah yeah (laughs) i really wish i would have seen blair witch project in the theater though because I have a story about my evolution of the Blair Witch Project because when I saw it when I was, I think, eight-ish, I saw it on tape on a little TV and I didn't like it at all. I didn't find it scary. I didn't find it this. And then years later, I don't even think I was a teen. I think I was already like like 20 at that point. I rewatched it and realized something. You know the part the first part where they start hearing the voices and sounds of the forest. Mm -hmm. So when I originally watched it, the copy I had and the sound I had on the television was so poor, I didn't hear that at all. So that completely painted my experience. And then at 20, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I did not hear this when I first saw this. And it just goes to show that sometimes it can be as simple as, as, the quality of the speakers or television that affects your viewing experience. And I felt cheated that I didn't see that, hear that originally when I was a kid. 
right? And since then, I've I've probably watched Blair Witch Project 20 times. And even after I saw it when I was nine, even though I didn't like it that much, it still stuck with me and, and fomented in my mind. And just the idea of the Blair Witch Project, this little movie, just like kind of my movie, right? This little movie, they only shot it over a smart period, small period, and it it blew up and 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 kind of reinvigorated things in horror again, right? And and yeah, it's oh, the Blair Witch Project. It's it's like a comfort movie for me now. I love it so much. Yeah, you're not you're definitely not alone in that. I did yeah. get to see that in theaters. I was 13 at the time, so mm-hmm. that was definitely. That was definitely a very interesting experience because we were. What was the theatrical feeling like? We were all like very, very tense, like similar to Skinnamarink. We were like, what are we going to see? What's happening? So, yeah. And Skinnamarink is being compared a lot to Blair Witch Projects. People are like, oh, you can still make a movie on a very small budget and get a theatrical release. Like an incredible (laughs) feeling for me to to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any horror movies that you're most looking forward to seeing this year in 2023? There is Bo's Afraid. And I know there... Oh, Evil Dead Rise. I know you don't like the Evil Deads, but I love the Evil... Love me some Evil Deads. (laughs) Uh, And then there's probably ones that I know are coming out, but I'm so tired right now that I can't... (laughs) And I... Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm hella excited to see barbie and i'm hella (laughs) excited to see oppenheimer someone took a picture of a a regal cinemas location in the states of my poster next to the barbie poster and the (laughs) oppenheimer poster i was like it's all coming together (laughs) oh that's so awesome (laughs) yeah are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like I had an answer for this a few days ago. There's a few come to mind that like I feel like everyone likes but I don't like, but I like as I've kind of become more in the public eye and and seen people talk about my movie I I just I'm not interested in in and like ever saying anything mean about anyone else's movie ever or any other director ever just because being on the other side of it i just don't want to i just i just don't want to do it right but i can't think of a, a horror movie that people generally hate that i that i'd like i'm sure there i'm sure there's a bunch out there but yeah has it been weird to see people talking about your movie on twitter yeah it, but it, it's been incredible at the same time, just seeing and, and surreal, like Linda Carter, the woman who played Wonder Woman, she tweeted like vague tweeted about it. Like she shared a picture of that phone and she said something to the effect of y'all are too young to be freaked out by, or too old or something to be freaked out by rotary phones still. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's insane. Just the whole thing has been crazy. Like yesterday, Sean Ashmore followed me on Twitter. And I got like 
like like just immediately my mind went back to like when i was a teen and saw him for the first time and got excited you know like i was like oh that's so amazing <laughs> that's so fun or jamie bell the guy who played the original billy elliot he followed me on twitter too and that was just like <laughs> weird too yeah yeah if you could remake one horror movie which one would it be Oh, I had an answer for this the other day too. <laughs> and I can't can't remember what it was. I think it was like a horror movie that I thought didn't turn out good that I thought I could improve on. Mm -hmm. But I forget what it was. I do, I will say I have an idea for a sequel for a, for a horror movie. I I I thought of I have an idea for doing a sequel to Poltergeist. Oh really? Oh, but that's I, interesting. I, I, yeah, I had an idea. Just be called Caroline. She's all grown up now, Caroline. But I, I, I don't want to say what the idea for yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not. No. All right. So my last question is: If you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Oh shit. Maybe the Candyman. <laughs> How come? He's kind of a cutie. Like, if as far as like horror villains. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know. He's, I feel like he'd be a good lover. I don't know. <laughs> or like, it's, that's a hard one. Hmm. Chucky would be fun. You know, mm -hmm. just you could chase him around, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I know you've had a very busy weekend. Do you want to tell everyone listening where they can find you on the internet and where they can find Skinnamarink? Yeah, for sure. So Skinnamarink in theaters everywhere from january 13th on again some theaters i think will be ending the engagement but other ones it'll be continuing so and then shutter early february followed by video on demand shortly after and then you can follow me on twitter at kyle edward ball just one word kyle edward ball if you dm me I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can, but my DMs have been flooded as of late, so it's it's taken some time. Maybe don't DM me. <laughs> like like you could just at at me, like say hey, I liked your movie, and I'll like it. That's a lot easier. But yeah, awesome. Well, good luck with your next movie and with everything with Skinnamarink. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kyle Edward Ball, and thanks again to Kyle for coming on. I'll leave links to his socials in the show notes, and if you haven't watched Skinmarink yet, check it out on Shudder. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and get boosted. <laughs>